final day of 2020, and like pretty much every other day this year, there is no such thing as a slow news day. We've just gotten Springfield Mayor Jim Langfelder's statement on the county plan to reopen bars and restaurants for indoor service. He doesn't like it much, and he's recommending that restaurants not reopen this weekend. Well, we'll go through all that here in just a minute because we have another significant story that's unfolding today. State Senator Bill Brady, the outgoing Senate Republican leader, announced today that he's leaving the legislature entirely, not just stepping down as the Senate GOP leader, but he's actually resigning his seat. His district includes, of course, part of Sangamon County, and that's going to leave a vacancy in our representation in the Senate. And somebody who might be interested in filling that vacancy joins us live on the line right now, and that is the state representative, one of two in Senator Brady's Senate District, Representative Tim Butler. Representative, thanks for taking the time and uh, an early Happy New Year to you. You too, Jim. I always appreciate the uh, opportunity to be on. It's been a little while since I've been on your show. It, so it happy has to... been. And, and there's certainly... And, a... and... End 2020 with Jim Leach. Oh, that's that's all right with me. There, so, we'll there are it. worse things that could happen to you, but I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. <laughs> uh, let, let's start with Senator Brady's vacancy. Now, again, we, we knew he was uh, going to step aside as Senate GOP leader, but he hadn't made clear until today that he was leaving the legislature entirely. Have you spoken with him? Do you know what, what led to this? Yeah, actually, uh, Senator Brady uh, called me this morning, uh, which I truly appreciated. I've known I've known Bill for quite a long time now, about I think about 25 years or so. And so he called me this morning to say that he was going to be submitting his resignation later on in the day. And I, I really appreciated the, the heads up on it. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't overly surprised to hear that that was the case. Somebody, you know, he's been in the legislature for a while and obviously a leader uh, for a while and and. Um, I, I think staying in the legislature after you've been leader is probably um, something that um, he thought, hey, it's, it's time to just go do something else. So um, uh, I appreciate the work that he's done. Like I said, I've known him for a long time, and he's done a lot of good for the for the people of Illinois. And, and that does, of course, mean a vacancy in the Illinois State Senate in a district that includes the northern part of Sangamon County, includes your legislative district. Uh, and so you have expressed an interest in possibly uh, being appointed to replace him in the Illinois Senate. Yes, I've, um, you know, how it works in Illinois is, is when there's a vacancy in the legislature, there, it's an appointment process for that, that vacancy. Um, and there's a 30-day window now that, that goes into effect to, to make that appointment. And it's, and it's an appointment of uh, a member of the same party of who the, the person uh, who's leaving office is. So, you know, I had a few people after after Senator Brady made the announcement. A few people reach out to me and, and ask if I'd be interested. And I said, sure, I'd be interested. I mean, I I really love what I do in the House. Uh, I certainly enjoy being a part of uh, Leader Durkin's leadership team, and um, I, I I just I love work, serving in the House. But certainly, you know, these opportunities don't come around all the time. And I think taking a look at uh, potentially serving a larger area appeals to me. Um, the district that Senator Brady covers includes the four counties that, that I represent, Sangamon, Logan, Menard, and Tazewell, more of Tazewell County than I have, along with uh, goes into McLean County, goes up to Bloomington. So all areas that I've worked previously under previous jobs, either working for Congressman uh, Davis or Congressman Ray LaHood, I worked in, in McLean County as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I certainly want to um, take a look at over the next few weeks, see where it goes and see what the process is. But um, like I said, I, you know, I was just reelected to the House and I enjoy what I do in the House, but uh, 
we'll see where this goes over the next few weeks. It's the county party chairs who make that decision as to who will fill that vacancy? That's correct. It's uh, by Illinois statute, the process would be the, the Republican county chairman from those five counties would have weighted votes based off the turnout from the from the most uh, the most recent primary. So the 2020 primary uh, would be the weighted vote of, of each of the counties. And that's uh, that's the process, how it works for vacancies, you know, in all of the legislative offices. And weighted, so the Sangamon County chair would only have essentially a portion of of the county's population that which which voted in your district. So does that Correct. put you at a disadvantage when you've got uh, you know a pretty heavily populated McLean County up there? Uh, Tazewell's got a fair number of people in it. Are you at a disadvantage trying to compete with whoever else might be uh, up and and uh, sweet talking them right now? Well, I, the numbers that I've seen initially, actually, the, the largest percentage of the vote goes to Tazewell County. Um, uh, McLean County is split into multiple legislative districts, similarly to, to Sangamon County. So based off of the numbers in the primary, and again, in, you know, in Sangamon County, we didn't have a lot of, we didn't have hardly any primary races on the Republican side. So the turnout was lighter than maybe previous years, whereas Logan County actually had a lot of primary races and had a, I think their turnout was actually higher than Sangamon County in this district. So, but I, I have, look, I have good relationships with throughout the four counties that I represent. Uh, I have good relationships with in, in to McLean County and um, you know, I'll be talking to the County chairman and, and see where it goes. And, and again, I, I really haven't, um, you know, this is this is an opportunity, obviously, that just popped up. I was asked, to, asked if I'd be interested, and sure, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good opportunity. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's going to be a decision to be made if that's something I really want to pursue or, or if I want to just keep on serving in the House. As I said, I really I really enjoy that as well. So, And you've got a chance, potentially, to serve in a House without Mike Madigan as Speaker, something that very few people have had the opportunity to do that are still alive to talk about it. So uh, is that uh, an opportunity that you would be willing to give up? I, I, I have always said I, I, would, I would love to be in the House when, when Madigan leaves as Speaker. I just I certainly... You know, if uh, I, I believe the 19 Democrats who have publicly stated they're not going to support him are going to hold firm. Uh, I I believe that, that Madigan will not be speaker into the 102nd General Assembly. It's just a matter of how this whole drama is going to play out. And, you know, I mean, certainly that changes the d- dynamics tremendously in the House to uh, to try to affect change. I think the, the next speaker and the, the next leadership team that's in place after Madigan, it's going to be a different operation, and hopefully, hopefully, the ability to work with them on on some, you know, a lot of things that we've talked about over the years that have been bottled up. Uh, Representative Tim Butler is here with us, and Representative, you're going to be pressed back into service a week from tomorrow. A lame duck session to be convened at the BOS Center. What are you expecting out of that? Well, I think the the thing that I've heard, at least, is, is and the, the Black Caucus has made no bones about it is they'd like to see some of their agenda items that they've put out there uh, when it comes to criminal justice reform and economic changes, some health care and, and, and education changes, which we ha- we don't really know exactly what they are right now because there hasn't been legislation introduced. But I think their plan is they're going to introduce legislation here, obviously, pretty quick so we can get a, uh, to see what exactly they have in mind. I think that's really the basis for uh, for meeting um, I think beyond that, there are not. There's not going to be a whole lot to discuss. I would hope 
one of the pieces of legislation that I've had drafted that I would love to see happen is a is a redistricting, a nonpartisan redistricting commission that we do through statute. We can actually set it up through state law instead of a constitutional amendment because we have redistricting going on next year. Uh, we have the ability to set up a commission ourselves through statute, and I've got that bill drafted. I'm going to introduce it, and I think that's something potentially that I'd love to see you know, us take up in the a, in a lame duck session. Who would be on such a commission? It's it is the it's the very similar language to the 2016 um, uh, constitutional amendment that was that we tried to get on the ballot. So it would be uh, the public could uh, apply to be on the commission, uh, and then it would be a blind drawing process for for the people to be on the commission. There's some there's several stipulations in the bill on how that's determined and everything, but it would it basically would be a pool of people that people are drawn from to to represent as the commission. Do you anticipate anything being done on ethics reform next week? I hope there's stuff on ethics reform, but I, I highly doubt it. I, I don't think, you know, it's unfortunate that um, we still haven't got final conclusion with the ethics task force that was put together uh, earlier in the year. There still hasn't been a report filed. The, the Democrats have really held off on that, which is unfortunate. I think there's some things that we could take off very easily. We could have done them last year. We talked about them in veto session a year ago about uh, making sure that that members of the legislature aren't registered as lobbyists and simple things like that changes to the economic interest statements. I'd love to see some simple things knocked off, but my guess is, you know, we're only scheduled looks like to be in for a handful of days scheduled to be the 8th to the 13th when the new general assembly gets sworn in that I don't think outside of the black caucus items and maybe a few other things, possibly legislation on remote legislating. I, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot beyond that. I wanted to ask you about that. Uh, uh, where do you stand on remote legislating, given that we are still in the midst of a pandemic? Yeah, I, that was something that, you know, this spring, um, it, it was something that was put into legislation really without discussion um, across across the legislature. It was something that was tried to add it to a bill this spring that did not pass in the spring. And, you know, as, as a representative of, of the city of Springfield and, and somebody who believes that one of the most important things to do is that we gather in person to, to talk about the things. I'm a big believer in, you know, the, the general assembly. We assemble is what we do. But that being said, I've been in discussions with um, uh, especially uh, Representative Ann Williams from Chicago, who introduced legislation last week, to see if we can find a path forward to find something that works in the midst of the pandemic to ensure that we're meeting, but also respects the institution and and make sure that this is, you know, it's a high bar to be used for being able to participate remotely, that we're not, um, you know, tearing down the institution of meeting at the, the seat of government, but finding a way to meet. So I, there's some good discussions going on with that, and we'll see where it goes over the next week or so. But I fully believe, you know, it, 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 it did not pass by a single vote last time. And I think the, the Democrats probably have the votes to pass at this time. So I would just like to see something that... Um, you know, works for everyone and make sure that it's that's that it's a good system that we put in place. Given the the challenges of legislating during the pandemic, of course, members of Congress have been vaccinated against COVID nineteen for continuity of government. Are there any plans to vaccinate Illinois lawmakers for the the same rationale? Well, I I would hope that those are discussions. I have not heard anything about that. You know, I think there's there's a line between uh, obviously as you say, continuity of government or, you know, essential 
uh, what may be some people may think are maybe or maybe not essential workers in the legislature, and making sure that that people that need it on the front lines also also get vaccinated as well. Obviously, we have we have an issue with supply right now when it comes to being vaccinated, but I do think one way as we move forward into the spring session to assure that we that we are able to meet in person is to is to do the best we can to get legislators vaccinated. I think that's an important way to ensure that we meet in person. Uh, Representative, before I let you go, um, one big challenge that uh, will be facing you, uh, not just next week, but probably for months to come, is the huge state budget gap. Uh, Governor Pritzker has talked about things like possibly unpaid furlough days and and other moves to try to uh, close some of that gap. What are your recommendations for how we deal with a multi-billion dollar deficit in the current fiscal year? Well, I think the first thing that that the governor needs to do is is start collaborating with with everyone the 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 four legislative leaders which obviously the house democrats are in turmoil right now but but the legislative leaders and and everyone in the legislature to get to a place where we understand what's going on with the budget and where we need to go there's going to be some very difficult decisions that are going to be that are going to have to be made um and this is this is something that you know it's very easy for the governor to say Oh, you know, the Republicans, all the Republicans fault. Well, you know, people across Illinois um, voted against and in pretty substantial numbers voted against the, the tax amendment. I think the governor now needs to, you know, get everybody circled around. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's stop throwing things around and, and come up with a budget that works. And I think if he engages everybody, we can get there. You know, it's going to take it's going to take a lot of hard decisions. And, I, you know, I'm. I can't sit here and tell you today exactly how it's going to roll out, but the first step needs to be we need to start talking to each other and being real on where we're going on the budget and what the numbers are going to be. Representative Tim Butler, listen, we appreciate your time. Keep us updated on the uh, situation regarding that Senate seat, and we look forward to hearing about what's happening down at the State House in the days, weeks, and months to come. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Jim, and to your listeners. I appreciate it.